This is the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast, covering sports on the shore with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mike. And welcome in to episode number 68 of the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast. Mike Bradley with you flying solo this week. Uh, Mark Potter had some business to attend to, so was unable to make it uh, for this afternoon, uh, and that's okay. Those things happen from time to time. We were off last week, but you know we, we give you plenty of content with these podcasts so that if we have a week where we can't do it or we kind of feel like, just let's let the uh, the podcast breathe and let everybody get a chance to, to take it all in before we come back with a new episode or if we just want to let some time evolve uh, for uh, some news to break well uh, that's uh, th- that's part of the thinking behind some of that but anyway good to be back with you and uh, again Mark will be back next week but we have had a lot of movement in Bayside Conference football uh, given the fact that uh, we had some changes concerning the coaching uh, uh, ranks that we didn't expect to have uh, necessarily this offseason a lot has certainly changed and uh, that's okay it's kept us busy it's been very newsworthy, uh, to say the least. And one of the pieces of news that's come out in the last week is there's a new head coach at Washington High School in Princess Anne. Uh, the Jags there, and uh, as we know, uh, the Jags have had some challenges over the years, but it's a great opportunity, though, for someone looking to get uh, their start in head coaching. And to that end, Alec Menser joining us now as uh, the news came out that Alec has taken the head coaching job there. Alec joins us now. Alec, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Certainly, you're no stranger to the uh, Time Out with Shore Sports podcast or Overtime Live, for that matter. No, absolutely not. And uh, I know Mark's mentioned it before, but I did have a little internship a couple years ago on the uh, 94.3 morning show. But I pretty much listen to Overtime Live every Friday night, so I'm extremely familiar. Well, Alec, we appreciate that very much. And first, congratulations on the job. Uh, yeah, anytime you get an opportunity like this, as you've worked through the ranks, and we're going to talk about that in just a second, you know, it's great to see. And we have had a lot of movement in the Bayside. Uh, four new head coaches, by my count. Uh, so you're looking at uh, almost a third of the coaches in the Bayside with a turnover, uh, whether it's at Queen Anne's, whether it's at Washington, whether it's Wicomico or North Carolina, other four schools we're talking about. Uh, but Alec, Alec, let's start first and give us a little bit of your background going back to, you know, where you're from, how you got involved in sports, when you went to school, and then how you got into uh, the coaching ranks. So, for me, I uh, played at Easton, played for Matt Griffith and uh, Mike Butler for three years before Matt got there. Um, I went to East Carolina University. I actually went there to get a journalism degree and figured out, you know, very quickly that I kind of did not want to do that. So, I started to kind of switch into education, and my senior year, there was a middle school, you know, right next to campus. And I said, you know, why don't I try coaching? So I ended up coaching there for a year. We won like a Pitt County Championship, which is the county that ECU is in. Mm -hmm. And when I got back, I had started coaching for uh, Matt at Easton for two years. I helped out on JV. And then uh, I got hired as a teacher at Y High about halfway through that, switched to Y-High, uh, coached for Coach Hanson for a year, and then obviously Isaiah for the last uh, for the last five, basically. And, you know, well, it, let, it's been a – Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish that thought. I was just going to say, you know, I've, it's, it's interesting, you know, seeing everything change. I know you mentioned 
the turnover of coaches, I mean, it's so much different from even when I was in high school. You know, there's a couple mainstays, but, I mean, now even with, uh, I think, Coach McCormick leaving, pretty much everything's kind of flipped over. Well, let's go back for a second to your high school time at Easton. Take us through a little bit of your playing days at Easton, what that experience was like, what you took away from that as you then ended up later on, as you talked about eventually coming back to coaching the program and then at Y High. So, you know, I'm sure you're very familiar with how youth sports works in Talbot County, but I couldn't play up until high school because uh, Pop Warner used to have that weight requirement. Mm -hmm. I think it was. I think it was 180 pounds, and I was a slightly large kid, so I couldn't meet that requirement. But, you know, I got into high school, and we weren't, you know, super spectacular. You know, my freshman through junior year, played JV for two years, and we started to kind of uptick on JV with that group of uh, sophomores and freshmen. My junior year, which was Coach Butler's last year, I think we went 1-9, and nine, um, didn't have a good year. And then when Coach Griffith came in, it all started to kind of change around. I think I think we won five games that year. We beat North Carolina for the first time in however long. It was it was a good change of pace. You know, of course I appreciate everything Coach Butler did for me, but I think we needed that that change at the time. Sure. And and seeing that, you know, that's something that's kind of stayed with me, just seeing that culture change and even seeing that coaching wise now, you know, with Isaiah coming in, you know, he really helped pick up why high and you know, trusting us to do our job, I think that's helped with my development too. And, you know, in terms of playing for uh, Coach Griffith, it was a challenge. You know, he can be he can be a, a, a pretty big figure in the locker room and, and on the field. And I think he did a really good job of trying to push everybody. You know, I don't want to sugarcoat it. I didn't, uh, I didn't become a full-time starter, but, you know, I did rotate in on offensive line, defensive line, and I think that also has kind of helped me to develop as a coach, just seeing, you know, how to have a, a major improvement, I guess you could say. Well, and, and no question, Coach Griffith, and a bit of the practice is he's a demanding coach and expects a lot of you, but, uh, you know, the, the best coaches do and, and uh, keep pushing you like that. And you talked about uh, the, the change there and, uh, you know, the five wins in that first season and such. So from that, as you talked about going to East Carolina and then getting into coaching in middle school, so when you came back and when you coached at Easton, talk about that experience from going as a player to a coach and, and what that transition was like and what uh, positions you coach there? I'm not going to lie. It, it was pretty tough, mainly due to the fact that I, coaching middle school is just a little bit more about – a little bit less about scheme than high school, obviously. you know. So mm-hmm. I didn't really get that information. Of course, I watched football all the time and, and tried to study as much as I could. But just even coaching JV and Easton that first year – um, Mike Money, who was JV head coach, decided to make me the, the defensive coordinator that mm-hmm. year. And I'm sure if you ask Matt this, I'll tell you the same thing, but I did not know what I was doing for about half that season, maybe even not until the end of the season. So there was definitely a, a steep learning curve that came along with it. But sure. it was good to kind of get into coaching where I had finished playing. So I was familiar with the area. You know, I kind of knew the, you know, knew some of the kids. There were some brothers of kids that I had played with and mm-hmm. just being familiar with that demographic of kids. Um, so it was tough. When I was at Easton, I, uh, I was the JV defensive coordinator for, for both years that I was there. Uh, receivers coach, O-line coach. Um, 
I didn't really have a, a varsity varsity position mainly because we had a ton of coaches. Um, but that's pretty much what I what I did there. Well, that that's a wide spectrum. So DC, but then O line and wide receivers. So wow. <laughs> when I first came in, when I first came in um, Coach Griffith did not want me as the DC. Mike was adamant that he wanted me to do it. I think take some you know take something off his plate because we only really had um, four guys. Sure. So having everybody have a position was definitely helpful. Yeah. So I originally was doing. I think linebackers and wide receivers. And then the D-line happened. I mean, uh, D.C. happened. Mm -hmm. The second year, I think it was definitely a little bit easier to kind of fit in. Obviously still a little lost, but I think Coach Griffith was very prepared with everything, so it made it a lot easier to learn that system and and kind of feel prepared myself. Hey, Delmarva, it's the Memorial Day sales event all across the Preston Autoplex. This month, you get a huge savings on hundreds of new Fords, Lincolns, Mazdas, Nissan, Hyundais, Genesis, and pre-owned vehicles, all at one location. Low financing available across the Preston Autoplex during our Memorial Day sales event. With qualifying credit, you get 0% financing. Available in the 2022 Ford Edge, 2023 Mazda CX-9, 2023 Hyundai Tucson, and the 2023 Nissan Titan. Plus, if you're looking to trade, we'll pay top dollar for your vehicle. So now is your time to trade up and take advantage of low interest rate financing. Our extensive selection of vehicles is one of the largest on the East Coast with something to suit every taste. We have over 2,000 vehicles to shop from for every budget on PrestonMotor.com. Browse our vast inventory online, select your dream car, and we'll handle the rest, including delivering straight to your doorstep. Come visit us for the Memorial Day sales event right now at the Preston Autoplex, located at the corners of Routes 318 and 331. And remember, cars cost less in Preston. This next segment is sponsored by the Edge Training Academy, where passion meets performance, located in Stevensville at 112 Lock Canoe Circle in the Chesapeake Bay Business Park. You can train there, play there, and give there. Get more info at the Edge 360. Net. No, and look, uh, I, I don't know that people necessarily realize, look, you got to get your start somewhere, somehow with coaching. And you talk about coaching in middle school, but eventually if you want to work your way up, you get an opportunity at the high school level here, as you talk about, Alec. And sometimes you know, you, you'd like to think that, hey, you could be eased in, but sometimes because of staffing shortages and such, you're asked to do a lot more than what you're expecting, or maybe that's what fair, that's, you know, something that's fair to a first-time high school coach like that and you've got to learn on the fly and that you know a a lot of coaches through the years that's how they got their start and sometimes they had to learn on the fly or their coaching positions that they're not very familiar with but ultimately that's how you get better I know I was very fortunate though you know when I coached and went back to my high school to coach I was fresh out of high school and so I knew the offensive system and I was coaching a position at quarterbacks that I was familiar with because that's what I played but like you if I had been asked though and I was assistant defensive line coach but I learned from the D-line coach who was also the D coordinator I was able to learn from him if they had thrown me in to be the the defensive line coach for instance or the linebackers coach I wouldn't have had a clue uh, of what to do and I really would have had an uphill battle myself so I I can understand where you're coming from uh, but you got thrown into the mix there and boy you're 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 learning on the fly and trying to do the best you can with the kids and you talk about going from middle school where I'm sure it's more about you know fundamentals and technique than it is about X's nose to high school where it's both at that point so god bless you with that but hey you made it through though right 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually kind of glad I did coach middle school because the high school team that I would have coached at if, if I had chosen to ended up going to like a state championship that year, and I would have been absolutely floored trying to figure everything out, Yeah, even helping out. Yeah. So, okay, so you get to two years, and, and, and once you get that second half of the first year in, you start to feel more comfortable. I take it year two on the JV team at Easton was a lot easier than year one was for you. Well, it's pretty easy when you have a freshman Ryan O'Connor as your quarterback, too. It takes a lot of pressure off of uh, – <laughs> There you go. It takes a lot of pressure off your defense. But, you know, it was, it was definitely interesting. I think, you know, also that first year – we had a brand new coaching staff for JV. I don't think there were any holdovers. So we were trying to figure each other out, mm. trying to figure the kids out. And, you know, I think, I mean, uh, our offensive coordinator, he was new to the school too. So it was just a, a big transition. That second year was definitely a lot easier. And I started to be able to learn a little bit more schematically and yeah. be able to kind of adjust to different offenses and things like that. Sure. Sure. Well, so you you have a big learning experience those two years of the JV squad at Easton, and sometimes that's the best way to learn, though, through the toughest of times. You come out much stronger on the other side, and uh, you're battle-tested at that point. So you get a coaching – or excuse me, you get a teaching job at Y High, a couple of counties away. So talk to us about that transition from Easton to Wicomico High School. So it was actually interesting. I had already agreed to coach it at, uh, at Easton, and late in that summer – um, I got hired at Y High as a teacher. So that entire second season, I was teaching at Y High and then driving back. Oh. I, still li- I still lived with my parents at the time. Okay. But I was driving back every day coaching at Easton. So, you know, I was getting there about four o'clock every day. The only time I didn't get there late was when they came to Y High to play a game. <laughs> there you go. You had to love that particular day, huh? Yes, that was very nice. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you you're so year two that you're coaching JV at Easton though you're ta- you're teaching at, at Y High. So then in year three, I guess the the driving back and forth got to be a bit much, and and an opportunity presented itself at Y High, and it just made sense for you to uh, to take the coaching job there. Absolutely, absolutely, and it was and it was a good opportunity because I started started to build relationships with the kids, and. I was feeling more comfortable in the building. You know, the change from Easton to Y High is, is definitely noticeable. But, you know, we have a special group of kids at Y High. I'm sure you've heard people say that before, but they'll kind of do everything for you if you ask them. They'll literally run through a brick wall if you tell them to. So it was very easy transition in that aspect. So you're coaching at Y High in, in, in year three of your coaching at the high school level. Are you JV or varsity at that point? So I was helping out with varsity O-line, and uh, I was the JVDC there as well. Okay. Um, okay. And just kind of helping out on and different things. It, it was a little disorganized on JV that year, so I just kind of did what was needed. Okay. Now, you were with Coach Hansen year one, and Coach Hansen ran the option, if memory serves, that year, right, which is not something you see much of anymore. He actually ran that the year before. I think my year he had gotten into – I don't know if you want to call it like a uh, almost like a gun tee with a lot of rocket out of shotgun and um, trap and counter and things like that. It was okay. a little bit more of a chip that year. Okay, okay. But you so you serve a year with Coach Hanson, but you're doing JV and varsity and and getting some experience there at the varsity level. And and what was that like from JV to varsity? What what was the biggest difference for you? I think just the kid and you know. I, I think the attitude on varsity was much, much different, even from when Isaiah got here. Um, 
And and at that time, Dominic Bailey was playing. So like, you know, what can what do you really tell a kid like that? That's probably the best defensive lineman in the conference by far. Mm-hmm. You know, so just trying to relate with those kids that have been in that same program for a couple of years and don't really know you very well, but. It was definitely a jump, especially because on varsity, that's when scheme really starts to come into play. Sure. So the next year, as you t- mentioned, Isaiah Taylor comes in. That's uh, He gets hired, if memory serves, January, sometime in the winter of 2019. The fall of 19 is his first season. And so what uh, what happens with you in terms of coaching? What, what position are you at at that point within the program? So I had basically told – told the uh, administration, I was like, you know, I, I want to come back, you know, when a new coach comes back, it's obviously his call. Right. But Isaiah, with the day that Isaiah got hired and was able to come into the school, he came and found myself, Coach Weaver, who teaches in the school. He came and gave us a big hug, and he was about it right away. And then, you know, maybe a week or two later, we had a coaches meeting. We talked, and he, he was very welcoming and getting us into the program early. I think he knew that it was valuable to have guys that were already there to sure. kind of make that transition. Sure. Uh, and then it just kind of took off from there, honestly. And so what were you tasked with doing at that point in terms of coaching? So I got, I had asked to go to the offensive side of the ball. So I switched to being the JV offensive coordinator instead of defense. Um, I did a lot of special team stuff on JV and varsity position group wise. I helped out with defensive line and offensive line. Okay. Actually, it was tight ends the first two years. Mm-hmm. So D-line, tight ends on varsity, okay. and then uh, offensive coordinator for JV. Okay. And how was that experience? And talk to us about the difference between your one year with Coach Hanson and then with Coach Taylor coming in and what he was able to do with that program. And obviously, you were, you were a part of it for the ride there. I would say the biggest thing was, you know, organizing practice, you know, making sure the kids have a positive attitude, making sure that the coaches have a positive attitude. I, you know, Isaiah always preached about having enthusiasm, making sure that the kids brought that every day. And that was just a huge turning point. And there were a couple kids that were fringe guys that, you know, maybe had quit or failed off the year before um, that absolutely turned it around when we had, when we started to change things with, you know, with Isaiah. And quite frankly, I mean, the, the effort, the attitude, the knowledge of the coaching staff, you know, bringing in Coach McMurdo, Coach Davis, Coach Ursum, uh, even uh, Coach Eric Phillips, who was one of our JV coaches, ended up transitioning to O-line soon after that from mm-hmm. varsity. I mean, it was just – it was almost night and day, if I could say that. Hanging out with Bob Pino at an optical galleria and Hook Optics. Bob, the sun is shining bright, and if you have a need for sunglasses, your Hook Optics line is the way to go. We are very proud of our Hook Optic line. We have developed it ourselves. We use the best lenses. All our plastic frames are made in Italy. They're fantastic. People put them on and just go, wow. They sure do. So whether you're a fisherman or maybe a golfer or just an outdoor enthusiast, you need to stop by an optical galleria to try on your own set of Hook sunglasses. Yep, stop by. We got full sets at all the stores, and we'll be happy to fit you, and we can make them in prescription also. Yeah, so whether you're looking for a transitional lens or all the lenses are polarized. There is now a polarized transition lens. Inside clear, outside dark, but also gets polarized. So stop by any an optical galleria location online at eisenart.net and hookoptics.com. 
This next segment is sponsored by our friends at Perretinoid Therapy Associates. Located at 460 Main Street in Stevensville, let Rick Perret and the staff get you back to feeling new again, accepting most insurance policies, so step away from the pain by calling Perretinoid Therapy Associates at 410-604-2982. So a big turnaround there, and and obviously over the last, what, four years, including, well, there was no season at 20, but you had a spring season at 21, followed by a fall season at 21, and then 22, and uh, and that program, the Y-High program, really turning things around and getting back to the days that we knew, really going back to, we're 23 now, really going back to, to over 13 years ago when that program uh, was consistently one of the best in the South. Yeah, I can remember uh, an unfortunate beating that we took coming down here on their homecoming on a Saturday when I was playing at East and, and uh, Coach Griffin's first year. I think they beat us like 56 to 7. It was not pleasant, and they were they were extremely good at that time. We're talking with Alec Menser, who's the new head coach at Washington High School. Uh, Alec, so talk about for yourself as a coach during the time at Y High, um, how how you grew. I, I mean, certainly, we just talked about how Coach Taylor was able to turn the program around, and you were there for the first year of Coach Hanson, but mostly under Coach Taylor and getting the opportunity to, to coach uh, again between JV and varsity as well. But how did you grow and get better, and what was your biggest takeaway or takeaways from that program? Well, I think one of the things that helped was that we were basically made to elevate ourselves. So go to clinics, study film, you know, making sure that we're reading materials and watching successful programs, doing everything they do. I know the biggest thing for me was learning scheme. Mm-hmm. That was something that I didn't really get a chance to do, you know, throughout high school either because I wasn't paying attention or, you know, it could have just slipped my mind. But learning that scheme was just a huge thing and then getting introduced to different types of schemes so i wasn't just um you know studying one thing but going to clinics and and doing all that studying it was just something that i think really transformed my mind in terms of football and on top of that you know eventually gave me the confidence to seek out the job at washington well, and let's get to that because I'm I'm a big one for kind of going through, uh, you know, going through the years and 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 the various stops and what you've learned. So here we are now, and uh, May 15th as we record this. But last week the news coming out about you taking the head job at Washington. So okay, last season another successful one for Y High. You guys get a playoff win. Uh, you lose in the in the next round, but you lose to a Ken Highland team who goes to the 2A state title. So nothing to have, hang your head about. So from the end of last season for why high take us through your time and when the opportunity presented itself when you started thinking about uh you know whether that job opened up or another one or just in general about uh, becoming a head coach take us through all that to where we are today here months later so i knew that i wanted to try and take a step up originally i was just going to try to find a position as an offensive coordinator on varsity and you know having talks with with Isaiah, DJ, and a couple of the other guys, just kind of thinking like, you know, if I go to one of these, you know, one of these programs, do I really want to just do the offense or do I want to try and run the whole thing? And, you know, in the case of Washington, you know, I wasn't sure about their head coach. I wasn't sure, you know, if the program, you know, what they were going to do, you know, this year after, you know, obviously we did not have a good season last year with the forfeits. Mm-hmm. Um and it was actually my wife. She was like, you know what? You should give this a try. 
She said, you're not going to be happy unless you do it. You might as well try it. Um, and at that point, I think it was January or February, I sent the email to the principal. I uh, didn't hear anything for a little while. Um, and then, you know, uh, some communication started. They had to start that entire process of going through coaches and interviewing people. And then it's a little late, but eventually we got to the point where they had their last couple candidates and I ended up being the one that they wanted to go with. Now, did you have a coaching position? I take it uh, under the uh, under the new head coach, why high? I mean, that's the same staff. Uh, only Coach Taylor has left. Uh, w- would you have had a position there? I take it you did. I'm sure I would have. I kind of was very upfront with uh, with Murdo about my intention to try and find something different, and I think he knew that too. You know, just from us being friends and having conversations about that, that that I had wanted to try and take that step up. So he was. I see to have me but knew that i was looking for something higher up okay Th- then you would have had there then that's the point alec yes sir oh, okay so I'm, I'm saying that that you were looking for a step up to a spot outside of being a head coach but you wouldn't have had necessarily you wouldn't have been a coordinator necessarily a why hire that wasn't available um but you were looking even beyond that for that matter yeah, I, I definitely was not going to be a coordinator here. And the coordinators that we have are awesome. So it's nothing against them. Um, so I knew I kind of had to look, you know, outside of this school to be able to find something. Yeah, that's um, my – and that's my point. So yeah. so in looking for that that um, higher spot, you ended up saying, hey, look, I've got an opportunity here to put in for a head coaching job. Forget coordinator for a second. I have a chance to, to be a head guy. Let me see. Let me take that chance and, and see if I can't get that. And it did pay off for you. Absolutely. I'm very glad, too. Yeah. So here we are now. You're the new head coach of Washington. Coach Drake had taken over last year. You talk about the number of forfeits, and that was certainly an issue. And I know that the schedule is somewhat different this upcoming season. We could talk about it. That was the thing that we had talked about on Overtime Live that was frustrating. We certainly understood, and I think all of us here felt for Washington, has felt for Washington over the years with the challenges that the program has had. At the same time, though, to have the forfeits and then to and and we never did get exactly what the word was about the forfeit to Colonel and why that was only relayed hours before a playoff game like that. That kind of, I think, soured some, including us a little bit, about the program that we understand the challenges and all that. But why are you letting a program know in a playoff game hours before that you're forfeiting the game? That That's a huge hurt for, you know, Colonel, for instance. So those kind of things that uh, didn't exactly – uh, endear itself, I guess, to the rest of the Bayside. So I'll kind of let you talk about uh, talk about that for a second. Yeah, and, you know, obviously I, it's not my fault I wasn't there. Yeah, understood, understood. Yeah, you know, I have no excuse for what went on. You know, I don't know what went on. I know that they had some issues with numbers towards the end of the season. I don't know how that happened. I just know that that was most likely what the forfeit was about. You know, I've talked to Mr. Bevilacqua, the principal, and, you know, he's adamant that that can never happen again. That was something that was, you know, expressly said, and, and I have no plans on ever letting that happen again. Yeah. Um, especially the, the playoff game, that just – that really, for lack of better terms, it kind of screwed over Colonel because they had a playoff game the next week against a decent Bo Manor team. Right. And instead of getting a chance to play and not be rusty, they basically, what, two hours before the game had to – 
get out of that game mode and kind of practice probably. Right. No, that but, that's right. Yeah, no, I, your points are taken there. And then correct me if I'm wrong, too. Week one last year, Washington played Y high, and then they had a week two matchup against Queen Anne's that they forfeited, and presumably because they got beat up and it was a number situation. But why the Bayside would schedule back-to-back 2A games for Washington like that is beyond me, too, to be fair to Washington uh, early in the season last year. Yeah, I'm not really sure how that transpired. I know the schedule kind of shifts, and I know this year it had like a major shift where everybody kind of, you know, redid their schedules and some, you know, two-year agreements ran over. But, you know, when they played us, if I remember correctly, they had like 31 suited up, and I think three or four kids on the sideline just not in pads. Mm-hmm. So they had some numbers. I'm not really sure what happened between those first two weeks. Yeah, um, That's right, because you were there, obviously, for the Y High matchup because you were coaching, yeah. Yeah, they had some big kids, too. Uh, number 75, I, I just can't remember his name off the top of my head. I'll get to meet him sometime this week. But, yeah. he, you know, he's like 6'3 and 300 pounds. I mean, he's a huge kid. Yeah. So it's, it's not like they don't exist. It just uh, hasn't been easy for him. Well, let's put it that way. Well, let's talk about, so in, in, in your taking the job or in your conversations before you got the job and maybe since then in talking with the principal, what are the top three challenges at Washington and how do you fix those or try to make inroads to those challenges? Well, I think one of the biggest things is consistency. Um, you know, last year with them forfeiting games, that's obviously a problem. But on top of the forfeiting, you know, a lack of consistency and some expectations – um, on-field behavior, off-field behavior. Um, I think that's definitely got to be number one. I think one of the other issues, uh, you know, currently is just fundraising and getting that kind of – getting that backing to be able to do things that we need to do, you know, buy new uniforms, get a new end zone camera, you know, all that type of equipment that you have to get to, A, get kids invested, and, B, to have a successful program and be able to help yourselves to get better. You know, one of the other, probably number three, and maybe they're not in any particular order, but I think just winning back that community right now is one of the things that I'm striving to do. I want to be very open and honest with my expectations, with the expectations for the kids, you know, meet with the parents. And um, I haven't gotten a chance to schedule this yet, but Mr. Bevelock, when I talked about it, I plan on having some sort of almost like a town hall down in Princess Anne where I'd like to invite the community to come out, Mm -hmm. be the state that the program is in, you know, maybe see why we've had some struggles the last couple of years and see what they can do to help us to be better. Everybody that I've met so far has been extremely supportive and very prideful with the school. And I have to imagine that that's probably the case with most of the people in Somerset County, but I have to give them a reason to want to be that way. And I think the best way to do that is to just try and repair that, you know, that community in that aspect. In terms of facilities, are you at a big are you at a big disadvantage right now? Are there major things that have to be taken care of there? Is it manageable? What, what is the state of the facilities? We start there because y- your point is well taken about fundraising and getting community involvement. That's so very important. And I know we talk a lot about you know Coach Coleman at Cambridge and now at Decatur and how he's rallied Cambridge and and really I mean Coach Fleetwood I think did the same thing prior to him in Cambridge, but then he's done the same thing down in Berlin. And we certainly know you know. 
Kent Island's got a strong community backing. Uh, I know Queen Anne's is going through some changes as we speak, uh, but Queen Anne's has had a, a strong backing, as has North Carolina, even though it's not always easy there at Caroline County. So I, I think your points are well taken, but let's start first before we get to the players about the facility situation and what's it going to take uh, to try to get Washington uh, on a level that you're comfortable with. Well, obviously, you know, it's not Decatur. I, if, if Decatur is willing to share their money, I'd absolutely take it. Um, <laughs> Coach Coleman does a great job. Um, but, you know, we have what we need. Um, Inventory-wise, we, we do have some issues, just the things that weren't getting tracked. Um, you know, I've kind of gone through already and kind of figured out what we need to order to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, footballs, practice jerseys, girdles, just, you know, basic things. Um, we do have a locker room. The locker room could use some TLC. You know, we're going to do the best that we can with what we have to get that in working order. we got plenty of space. It's just it needs just a little love and care and, uh, you know, plenty of space for storage. The weight room is, is in the process of getting an upgrade inside the school. That's good. Yeah. Uh, the principal, Mr. Bevilacqua, was extremely supportive. Um, but as he says, it, you know, it, it takes some time to, to get that stuff done. The field got new grass put in practice field got new grass put in we're in the process of getting some goal posts on the practice field nice um so we're we're getting there it just might take a little bit and alec i don't want to speak for the players but i can imagine to some extent and not trying to make excuses but at the same time that if someone that's out there putting their putting their time in um, to not only for self benefit but also to represent the school, I've got to imagine if you're somebody that's devoting all that time to the program, you want to see that the program's also showing them some love, if you will, and commitment and such. And if they don't have that, if they've got cruddy practice fields and a lack of goalposts and you know not enough uh, not enough pads or helmets, for instance, or, or or blocking pads and such, I should say, uh, if the locker rooms in disarray, I got to imagine that that from a, a standpoint of pride, from a standpoint of well, what kind of commitment are they putting into to our program when we're giving all the time to the school and the program? Uh, I, I can imagine that that can have some kids uh, with uh, not exactly the most of motivation if you will and i apologize my lack of articulating it but i can imagine that that has not been a help necessarily over the years there but now with some of the things you're talking about that's got to be something that is a positive that you can point out to the kids and say hey look they they are making an investment in you you're starting to see that here uh so you know hopefully the kids have a little bit uh, more uh motivation than maybe they did in the past I would hope so, and I think that's one of the things that we kind of have to bring, you know, as a difference maker. We have to be enthusiastic about the program, regardless of where we are. We have to, you know, show initiative in getting things done, in fundraising, in making the best out of what we have. You know, I, I, I'm i not sure if last year if they even had helmet decal, so that's something that we're already trying yeah. to make sure that, that we get done because kids do like that stuff. It does give them a sense of pride to show off their school colors and to be prideful about what they wear. And, you know, not everything is going to be perfect for now. I mean, the reality is simple. We're the poorest county in the state of Maryland. So it is hard to get some of that stuff sometimes. And that's nobody's fault. But, you know, if we can give them a sense of pride, I think they'll stay. I think they'll play hard. And quite frankly, hopefully, you know, win, win some games in year one, if not win a lot more in year two, year three, and so on. Let's talk about players, and I know you're just into the job a week or so, but numbers-wise, what do you have to work with, and 
last year, I take it there was only a varsity team, not a JV, which tends to make sense because the numbers are small and it is a 1A. Uh, tell us about that aspect with the players, the numbers, et cetera. What I understand, there are a lot of kids in the school that want to get involved, and you know that's great. You know, I don't have a concrete number, um, but I'm hoping to have about 35, 30 to 35 kids. Um, if we can get more than that, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, we probably, you know, knowing the size of the school, we have about 750. I think is the total number of kids that are eligible to play sports. Okay. Uh, probably will never have a full size JV. But we will, in the future, look to have a freshman team where we can maybe keep those incoming freshmen from playing a varsity schedule in their first year. I think I know Colonel Richardson has a freshman team, and I think that's a huge help for their development. You know, they have they have a small school like us, Mm -hmm. and I know that that is huge for them being able to just have a space for the kids to learn and not you know get beat up by a, a senior on their first game. You know. Yeah, no, I certainly uh, certainly agree with you there. So they would they would practice with varsity, but they would play freshman games and not play year one on varsity if by all means possible. That that is our hope. Um, obviously, have no idea about numbers yet, but that's definitely what we're looking looking forward to in the future is getting that done. In terms of taking over here in May. With off-season work, with uh, conditioning, with weight training, have the kids from last year's team, have they been in there? Has it been uh, – have, have things kind of fallen apart where now you're having to start things up here as soon as you possibly can? Has there been a lag, or have the kids continued to, to get themselves ready for this upcoming season no matter who the head coach was? Actually, um, there is a coach on staff named Tony Morton. He's a school school resource officer. He's an ex-state trooper. Mm -hmm. He's done a good job of keeping kids invested, and he's gotten some kids in the weight room working out and has since, I think, February. Mm -hmm. The good thing is, too, is that he's let them know that if they want to be a part of the team, that they have to invest in playing winter and spring sports as well. Um, So we have a bunch of kids that run track. We had a bunch of kids on a basketball team. A um, bunch of kids on the baseball team. The track team, from what I could count at, at Delmarva Relays, the other day had about 40 to 50 kids on it. And I know a good amount of those play football. So they are active. Mm-hmm. It's just not necessarily in the weight room, which is okay. Yeah. You know, as long as you're doing something, yeah. that's the most important thing. Yeah. No, I, look, I, I personally, I'm all about uh, these kids playing various sports. I think that's a plus for them. Uh, I know there's the specialization world that we live in today, but uh, I think kids that play two and three sports, I think that's great. And that can only help them get better in other areas for when the, the time comes when they do play football uh, come the fall season there. So, Obviously, it's going to take some time for you to, to sit down, uh, learn what you have in terms of player perspective, personnel, et cetera, with that. Uh, in terms of your coaching staff, uh, have will you retain uh, the some of the assistants that were here? Uh, are there any that have stayed? I, I, what's the situation with that? Uh, to be quite honest with you, I, I don't really know. I know Coach Morton. I plan on keeping him. He, he does really well with the kids, and he's knowledgeable. I know he played at Salisbury for a year. I'm not sure how long ago. Mm-hmm. I believe he played there when Coach Wood did, so probably a little bit, you know, a little while ago. But I plan on having him come back. In terms of everybody else, I, I genuinely don't know, and I haven't really had anybody reach out to me about that. Um, I do have a couple guys uh, from the area. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily point them out yet. No, understood. They, no, uh, that's that's fair. Yeah. They are going to come with me, um, and and the coach, their head coach, knows that they're planning on leaving, but. 
they're going to come with me and help me out. They're two really good guys. And, you know, that's, that's kind of where I am right now. You know, of course, we're looking for more coaches. My biggest thing is going to be that they are high-character guys that are there to help the kids and to improve the school. This next segment sponsored by Midshore Exteriors, handling your roofing, siding, and gutter needs across the shore. Every detail matters, so let the Master Elite GAF Certified and Shingle Master Roofers take care of your home or business today. Get more info at midshoreexteriors.com. And, and Alec, obviously you'll be in the school teaching. Have you already started there? Did you start that back at the beginning? Well, I guess not. I guess you wouldn't have, but you just got the job. So you'll, you'll take the teaching job this coming fall, right? Yes, sir. They, uh, okay. we, I had my teaching position um, kind of set up already now. So, you know, when the fall comes, I'll be in the building and, and ready to go with everything. All right, so you've got a couple of guys coming with you and then hoping to get a few more. I mean, ideally, year one, do you have a number that you'd like to have in terms of the amount of assistant coaches? I mean, I'm going to be honest. With it being a, a 1A and, and you know, not having to worry about JV right away, I think having five, six guys would be, would be you know, sure. even make more than enough. I, sure. think, I think five guys would, would be great, honestly. Uh, right now, look, sitting at four with me, so having an extra one or two guys out there to help and coach a position, uh, or even be a defensive or offensive coordinator, is going to be going to be huge. But again, you know, and this is something that was communicated too. There, there's been some things that have happened down there with with some low character people, and I'm not going to have that around the program. So whoever does interview or that we try to bring in, they have to meet that standard. And if they don't meet the standard, they won't be around our kids. Yeah. No, uh, that, that's certainly fair, and that, that's how you start to rebuild a program, and it starts there with you know who are the, who are the men that are leading the young men uh, there who are on the practice fields and, and playing on those Friday nights. Alec Manser's joining us. He's the new head coach of Washington High School, having been an assistant the last four years at Wicomico, and prior to that, two years uh, on the uh, JV squad at, uh, at Easton. And I'm sorry, it was the one year, right, Alec, or was it two? No, it was two at Easton. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, very good. Boy, it is a Monday around here. Uh, as, as we record <laughs> this, we drop the podcast on Tuesday. Uh, Alec, in terms of uh, offense, defense, are you going to be the offensive coordinator as well as the head coach or defensive coordinator? How's that going to work? Uh, as of right now, I don't have a defensive coordinator, so that's something I'll fill in. Um, one of the coaches I'm bringing in, you know, we've met. And the, they, between the two of them, I have an offensive line coach, quarterback coach, and an offensive coordinator. So the offensive side of the ball is pretty well taken care of right now. Of course, I'll coach the position as well. But, you know, as it stands right now, I'll most likely do defense. Um, but that's – I just haven't had a chance to evaluate, you know, all of that just yet. But will you, you, won't, will you manage the game and not call uh, the defensive side or offensive side? Are you doing any play calling on game day? I'm most likely, if I have to run the defense, that's what I'll do. Okay. Um, but if if I can find somebody that I trust to do that, then they can absolutely do that. You know, most likely what I'd like to do is be in charge of special teams and be able to kind of hand off that offensive defensive side so that we can have all three of those facets covered. Sure. Sure. Uh, Alec, without giving away the farm, uh, what uh, generally offensively and defensively is the kind of style you'd like to run? And and what is your philosophy in terms of offensive and defensive style? Because sometimes what you'd like to do is not always what you can do, though, as you know, with the personnel. Well, I, mean, I, don't, I don't mind saying it. You know, 
when I when I had my dreams of taking over the job, I was like, you know what? I'm going to be like Coastal Carolina. We're going to run that spread triple, and and we're going to you know run the ball over the place. That's probably just not feasible. So you know that got thrown out. Uh, but philosophy wise, I think especially for us being a small school, and you know maybe with with having smaller numbers, I think holding on to the football for long periods of time is going to be our best friend. Mm-hmm. You know, inching out three four yards every play. Maybe we'll throw, you know, 10 to 12 times a game. And there's a certain school around us that does what we plan on doing that I think will help us even the field with some of the other schools around us. I think I know who you're referring to, but I'll say no more on that. So certainly uh, certainly understand. I'll confirm or deny. (laughs) What's that? You can ask me later. I'll confirm or deny. Uh, I gotcha. I gotcha. And then defensively. Uh, defensively, I, I don't, I don't mind speaking on that, but uh, we're going to go with an odd front defensively. Um, probably be close to like a three-four, like like we what we did at Y High. Um, I had a lot of learning experience coaching linebackers and D line with that. Mm-hmm. So that's something I feel pretty comfortable with. And you know, I don't know what kind of size we'll have on D line, but you know, we're going to have athletes that can play outside backer, inside backer, um, and we'll probably be you know, a one-high system with maybe a chance to roll into a two-high if, if that's who we play against somebody with a with more of a spread look. But that's something we're still kind of ironing out right now. Alec, on and off the field, when people talk about Washington High with you now the head coach, how do you want them to talk about you as a program? I would just like for them to think of us as a program that generates high-character high kids that – does the right things, whether it's in the classroom, on the football field, you know, to other people, whatever it might be. I just want us to be a positive program. And, you know, eventually I'd like to be a powerhouse, but, you know, that doesn't matter right now. It's it's just about making high-quality men and being the best that we can be. In terms of on-the-field play, win or lose – when the other team walks off the field, how do you want them describing their matchup with the Washington Jags? I want them to be hurting, if I'm being honest with you. I want them to have to ice themselves down after the game. So physical. Be- yeah, Absolutely. You know, we're not going to have some of the stuff that other schools will have, and that's fine. But the things that you can't buy, the things that you can't order from BSN or Rydell or whoever, you can't order toughness. Mm-hmm. You can't order uh, physicality. You definitely can't order – mental toughness and those are just things that we have to have if, if we're going to change it around and we're going to start to win games and maybe even you know start to compete in the in the 1a then that's what we have to do what's the biggest strength that you feel you bring to this program from your previous stint i think especially with me i think my commitment is going to be something that should be a pleasant surprise um, hopefully to the kids i'm going to be here I'm going to give them everything I possibly can until I can't do it anymore. You know, they'll have to drag me away. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that I can definitely bring. And I'm always willing to admit when I'm wrong and figure out a way to be right about it. Alec, let me ask you this. The opportunity there to take the head coaching job certainly is one for you to be able to make a leap in your career as a football coach. Some on the outside would say, okay, but 
just because there's a head coaching job available and it is a leap on the resume for you, it doesn't always mean that that's the right thing to do or the right place to go because it may not be a situation where you're set up for success, that you want to be able to go somewhere where, yeah, you understand you're going to have to work for you know the wins, but at the same time, you want to have a culture, you want to have a, a situation where you're set up to be able to to give yourself a chance to win. Uh, and and what, your, what would your response to be to that because some would say on the outside yeah but Alec this is an awfully tough job to, to get yourself into and are you set up for success your answer would be what well I'd probably just tell them that they're right you know it is a tough job but if I truly want to make a difference and I truly want to do something for these kids you know regardless of wins and losses if I want to truly do something for the kids then this is the right job the right job is the one that you want to take, that you're willing to take, and that you have the energy to take. You know, 10, 15 years ago, you probably could have said the same thing about Kent County at the time because they, they had a really tough go of it for a while. Mm-hmm. Maybe even Colonel Richardson, too. You know, when I was in high school, they had a really big losing streak that went on. Obviously, you know, not quite the same, but it doesn't mean that things can't change. It might take a little while, but just got to have a little faith and a lot of hard work. And and as I asked that question, Alec, hopefully for the audience and for yourself, not to take that necessarily as a negative, but just as a fair question. But on the flip end of that, though, the opportunity that lies ahead for you in what you could go out and achieve for the program and the fact that here you could take over a program at the ground level and make all the changes that you need to to put your thumbprint, your imprint on the program and, and to do things your way and, and really with the support it sounds like that you have the the great support that you have from your principal you know the opportunity here and the experience of all the areas of the program that you could touch and make successful there lies a great opportunity ahead as compared to taking over a program that is already an established winner well there may not be as much of an impact that you can make and it may not even be as big a learning experience uh for you as it would be here in this situation no, I would I would definitely agree with that. Um, you know, some jobs are definitely easier than others. Um, and, you know, people talk about getting thrown into the fire, and that's how they learn. Well, I'm getting thrown into the fire, and I'm about to learn a whole lot of stuff, and I'm very excited to do that. And I think, you know, come the season, I think it's going to be a much different Washington High School Jaguar football team, and I hope that people can see that on the field and eventually see that in the win column as well because you know obviously things have been tough but I would be remiss if I didn't say that we eventually want to compete for a state championship what is a reasonable expectation for the program when all is said and done at the end of this upcoming season and I'm not just talking about wins and losses necessarily and I wouldn't even really ask you to predict that but just in general what is going to be an upcoming successful season for the Washington program as you see it in year one of an Alec Menser program uh year one for us I think the biggest thing obviously and and this is you know crazy that we have to talk about it but playing every single game that is that is number one you know no forfeits no backing out of scrimmages nothing like that I think you know expectation wise scoring multiple touchdowns a game you know I think they scored eight total points last year which is crazy to think about but just being able to get into the end zone multiple times a game and not having you know the the touchdown ratio that we've had 
the last couple of years. I think that is the biggest thing that we have to do is compete. Whether that ends up being a win or a loss, I think having you know that competition and playing our hearts out and, and just getting in the end zone and that's what's going to eventually change the tide, you know, turn the tide for us. You know, we're, we're going to probably be a pretty young team, so some of these kids haven't had the chance to experience success. Now, the good thing is is that a lot of our kids play other sports, and in those other sports like baseball and track, they have had that success. So, hmm. you know, if we can do those things, we can translate it to football, and we'll be able to, you know, stay in the win column. So to that end, as we wind down our conversation with Alec Menser, the new head coach at Washington High School, uh, Alec, uh, of the numbers of players you believe, I think in the in the 30s, at least that's the way it started last year, how many roughly are seniors, juniors? What's the breakdown? You know, I'm not sure. I don't really have a roster to go off of, unfortunately, but I believe that there are, I think, eight seniors with, with playing experience. I don't know if there, if there's any that will come out. Mm-hmm. But there's at least eight guys that have played for the team. Um, I know I've got a couple of baseball kids that played before, but maybe not have played last year, um, that are probably going to come out that are good-sized kids and, and high-character kids and, you know, just trying to give them a, a good senior year. And I'm sure you'll be doing as much recruiting inside the uh, hallways as, as you can, right? Absolutely. I mean, I uh, I went out there after – after school last week and pretty much talked to every kid that I could find, whether they wanted to or not. So mm-hmm. I think it's a good start. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the uh, – have you had a chance to talk to any of the players uh, so far? I did. I had a chance to talk to a couple of kids. Um, you know, they, they were kind of busy last week with uh, testing. They had base sides for track and baseball had a game. But I got a chance to talk to, you know, four or five kids, um, interact with a couple on social media, just – try to reach out to them any way that I could and they were all very positive interactions so I'm mm. I'm really looking forward to getting a chance to be around them more let's talk about the schedule for a second and we just talked about last year having Wicomico and then Queen Anne's back-to-back weeks and the forfeit of the Queen Anne's game and then we talked about the forfeit of the uh, Colonel Richardson playoff game I think there was another forfeit inside there as well uh, but uh, I remember it doesn't serve on which game that was but let's talk about the upcoming schedule and taking a look here at the if I have this correct you guys will kick off the year and you reference Colonel Richardson who had had a lot of down years after being a very good program and then turning things around over the last five or six seasons that's the team that you host on september 1st at six o'clock yeah and uh you know i'm sure that they're going to be fired up after everything that happened at the end of the season you know and you know our goal is just to be ready for them you know be prepared be ready for that double wing and try and play our best football yeah, welcome to the Bayside, the 1A, right? Only against the defending 2A, or excuse me, the defending two-time 1A uh, champs in the Bayside. Yeah, with uh, with the most, you know, downhill possible offense you could think of on the very first uh, very first game. But that's okay. Looking forward to it. Yeah. And then you've got James M. Bennett in week number two, who I believe is down to a 2A school now or will be. But that's a program that's going uh, under a major rebuild as well. And they're not exactly in the same situation as Washington, but they've had some of the same struggles, and, and they're looking to do things that obviously uh, you know you guys are, are looking to do as well. That'll be an interesting matchup there between the two of you. I think so too. Um, obviously they'll have a, probably some numbers advantage, but 
you know, it'll be it'll be an interesting game. It'll be my first game back in County Stadium, you know, with another team. So that'll be mm. that'll be interesting. Yeah. Now you did have uh, Delmar as a team that you picked up. Uh, now I I know I don't think you made that schedule at the time, but that's a matchup I looked at September fourteenth at seven. And I again, with all due respect, I take a look at that and say I'm I'm surprised that that game was scheduled. But that's just me, you know, given the the Delmar program and their their history. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and Delmar is extremely well coached and has that history. And, you know, I don't I don't know who made the schedule. I think it was just a matter of trying to get some different teams on there. Yeah. You know, I'm hoping that with a full off season after this year, you know, I'll be able to kind of go in and change that. But, I mean, the reality is we don't have enough 1A teams to play without dipping into two A's. Yeah. And technically, you know, Delmar is a small Delaware school. So, not quite the same, but... I think the thing, but you talked about making sure that we don't have the forfeits, et cetera. One of the things we talked about last year was that does Washington need to play 1A only schools or maybe play a JV schedule before they can get things ramped up where they can get back to a varsity level and then go from there and see what happens because – if they're going to forfeit against some of the 2A schools, given the fact that you only get nine games now with the expanded playoffs, that makes it tough on them. And then if you take a look at Stephen Decatur and Queen Anne's, well, they're not going to play because Queen Anne's has to forfeit that game, that if Washington were to forfeit a game against one of them, they'd be down to seven games. So, you know, those are some of the conversations. But obviously, Alec, you want to have to, you want to avoid that. I just, I was hoping, quite frankly, that the scheduled games against the 2As, at least for the next couple of years, would go away or be minimized but it doesn't look like that's exactly happening here yeah i mean we we uh i know in talks that i've had they definitely tried to get as many off the schedule as possible mm-hmm. um you know shinkatig would have been somebody that we would have tried to pick up but i think last year they may have played eight man um or something like that if i remember reading that correctly mm-hmm. so you know some of those eastern shore virginia schools we'd like to get on but you know, some of them have numbers problems, too. I mean, they – I don't know the last time you went down to the Eastern Shore of Virginia, but it is very spread out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that we have Arcadia and Nandu on the schedule. Right, which um, is good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then hopefully, you know, in the future, maybe we can pick up Northampton, Chincoteague, and, and anybody else down there. I know there's a – I think there's a private school down there, but I can't remember what the name – I think it's the Broadwater Academy. Yes, that's correct. All schools. Yeah. Um, but yeah. – it would be great to pick up some of those or, you know, expand our horizons and go across the bridge a little bit. Yeah. Well, I, and I'm trying to think now, a few years back, Washington played a team from Western Maryland, and I can't remember who it was. It was 2016, I think, and I think it was a home-and-home, and, home, and I can't remember, but it was a small school, and, and to your point, they but that's far across the bridge, but they did do that to match up against a similar size school, and maybe that's something yeah, to, to look at, if at all possible, as well down the, uh, you know, down the road. But yeah, just a, a foray into the schedule a little bit, though, Alec, but I, I know that uh, there is some inroads having been made there and trying to get some of uh, the 2A teams off the schedule there, but you can certainly understand, I think, where, where we're coming from and, and in general, but look, at the end of the day, we want 
all these teams top to bottom to be as good, to be as competitive as possible. You know, so from the Kent Islands all the way to the Washingtons right now, uh, we're hoping that, you know, a, a program like Washington that you're at now that can bring themselves up as Colonel Richardson did. And Kent County's now fallen on some hard times. Uh, hopefully they can start to get things turned around a little bit as well. Uh, and Snow Hill's another one as well that, you know, these programs, if they can, you know, pull themselves up by the bootstraps and, and, and get some things going there, that just makes the entire conference obviously better and that we don't have to have these kind of conversations. Absolutely. And, you know, and like I said before, you know, I can't speak for, for what happened before, but we're going to make a concerted effort, uh, a very valiant effort at making sure that we never have to have that conversation ever again. Yeah. No, certainly understood. Well, Alec, I can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, as uh, Alec Menser has been joining us, he's the new head coach at Washington High School. Uh, you've been listening to the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast. We'll have a little bit more coming up. And, uh, boy, I didn't even get my mentions in here, as uh, Mark would usually do, so I have to make those up. But, Alec, congratulations on the gig. We appreciate it. We look forward to talking to you on Friday nights. To be honest, last year was tough because we didn't really get much of an opportunity to talk to Coach Drake for a number of different reasons uh but we certainly want that to change and uh, we certainly hope that we're talking to you at least uh, every other week throughout the course of the season and we wish you nothing but the best and we'll see if we can't get you back on maybe one other time of the podcast before the season starts of course we'll have the overtime live preview show as well so we'll definitely be talking to you then Definitely appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. All right, Alec, thanks so much. Alec Menser joining us here again on the timeout with Shore Sports Podcast to do head coach at Washington High School. All right, so we've got many sponsors to thank for the timeout with Shore Sports Podcast. Mark's usually good about mixing those in uh, throughout here, so my apologies on that, but the uh, timeout with Shore Sports Podcast brought to you by the Edge Training Academy, where passion meets performance, located in Stevensville at 112 Long Canoe Circle at the Chesapeake Bay Business Park offering 24-hour gym access. More information at theedgetrainingacademy.com. Also by Midshore Exteriors, handling your roofing, siding, and gutter needs across the shore. Every detail matters, so let the Master Elite GAF certified and shingle master roofers take care of your home or business today. More information at midshoreexteriors.com. Now, we had some other big coaching news in the Bayside in the last week, and we've been bringing you the, the saga at Queen Anne's County high school uh, concerning the removal of Al Waters as the head coach there and his appeal process which we haven't heard any more about we know that he's appealing but we also know though that Queen Anne's is headed in a different direction and they had posted an opening for the head coaching job there so it appears that even if coach Waters had won his appeal that it wouldn't have mattered that Queen Anne's is going ahead to hire a new coach and that's exactly what they did so last week uh, the queen Anne's county high school lions introduced brian mooney as the new head coach of the football program now he has experience in coaching high school football and has even served as the offensive coordinator of the lions previously now we were told last year that yeah he was the offensive coordinator and i think maybe even coached into a game last year but then 
the feeling was that he wasn't able to give as much time as uh, Coach Waters would have liked for whatever reason, maybe job, maybe family, what have you, and that he felt like he needed to make a change there. And if I misread any of that, I stand corrected, but that's as I understood it, uh, that uh, there was a time commitment issue there. And so uh, Coach Waters made a change there. Maybe there's more to it. Maybe there's less. I'm not sure. But Coach Mooney is no stranger to the program. That we were due to have Coach Mooney on uh, with us, but he ended up canceling. We were hoping to have both new coaches on today, but he ended up canceling. Hopefully that's just temporary and that we'll have him back, uh, or I should say, we'll have him on the podcast next week to be able to break things down with Coach and and talk about what right now has been a very topsy-turvy time with the Queen Anne's County football program. And certainly, just taking a step back with a program that's been successful, you want to see that success continue, not because we're singling out a certain program and and rooting for them. We're rooting for all the teams in the Bayside to do well. You don't want to see any program that has been at the top or towards the top and then start to languish because of changes, issues, whatever it may be. And again, these are all just general statements. These are not anything targeted directly at, at Queen Anne's. You want to see that program continue to do well because that's better for the whole conference. So that's the point. Uh, So he's no stranger to the program. And so I would expect that that'll be a big help. We'll see what kind of changes are implemented, but that should be a big help to the program that you have somebody that's been in there before that knows about it. And we're hoping again that we'll have Coach Brian Mooney next week. The Time Out with Shore Sports podcast also brought to you by College Placement Consulting, providing invaluable college planning and high school guidance from sophomore through senior year. Let the dedicated professionals at College Placement Consulting help your child prepare for college. Go online to schedule a no-obligation appointment now at collegeplacementconsulting.com. Also, the podcast brought to you by For All Seasons Behavioral Health at Rape Crisis Center, providing outpatient mental health, psychiatric education, and rape crisis services to the English and Spanish-speaking community communities regardless of one's ability to pay more info at forallseasonsinc.org now there have been some other recruitments of uh, of high school players and offers and such and we'll get to all those details next week but frostburg continues to have a heavy presence on the eastern shore now one note that we didn't make mention of uh, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that uh, Todd Apple, who is the defensive coordinator at Stephen Decatur, and he was an assistant at Snow Hill at one point as well, that recently he was inducted into the Maryland Coaching Hall of Fame. And this took place on Saturday, April 29th. That was Maryland Day. That was also the day that the Maryland football program had their red-white spring game. And I believe that ceremony took place in the morning. And then at halftime of the red-white game, they honored the coaches. I remember being there several years back for head coach Bob Knox, who was the longtime head coach at Steve Decatur as well. Uh, Well, I should say as well, but head coach there at uh, Decatur when he got inducted in during halftime of a game or the uh, red-white spring game, which was pretty cool there. So congratulations to Coach Apple on his induction into the uh, Maryland State High School Football Hall of Fame. 
This portion of the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast brought to you by Queenstown Bank, your hometown community bank, serving the mid-shore for over 120 years. Convenient online and in-person banking, plus they've got money to lend. Convenient to get more info, that is, at any Queenstown Bank location or go to queenstownbank.com. And Brett Moy Therapy Associates, located at 460 Main Street in Stevensville. Let Rick Brett and the staff get you back to feeling new again, accepting most insurance policies. So step away from the pain by calling Brett Moy Therapy Associates at 410-604-2982. So get a good conversation with uh, Alec Menser of Washington High School, the new head coach there, who had been a JV coach at Easton for two years and then served as an assistant both with the JV and varsity programs at Wicomico from 2018 through this past season and is the new head coach at Washington High School for the Jags, who kick off their season hosting Colonel Richardson, which is a program that has been able to turn themselves around, and that's a program that Washington certainly aspires to be, but it's going to take time with that, and we'll see what uh, Coach Menser, um, what he does exactly, but a good conversation with him, and it sounds like he's got some good coaches that will be coming on board and coaches that also are good character coaches as well as they look to uh, turn things around in Princess Anne. And, and look, having that community support, having the support of the administration is paramount, no doubt about it. All right, that is going to do it for us. Again, we hope to be back next week with the new head coach of Queen Anne's County with Brian Mooney. Uh, for Mark Potter, I'm Mike Bradley, wishing you a great and safe rest of your week. And uh, don't forget to tell everybody about the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Look for another timeout soon here on ShoresportsMD.com.